0: Chapter 36 of Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arthur Piantadosi, Los Angeles, California. Chapter 36 "'is a very short one, and it may appear of no great importance in its place, "'but it should be read notwithstanding as a sequel to last "'and as a key to one that will follow when its time arrives.' "'And so you are resolved to be my travelling companion this morning, eh?' "'said the Doctor, as Harry Maylie joined him and Oliver at the breakfast-table. "'Why, you are not of the same mind or intention to have ours together?' You will tell me a different tale one of these days, said Mary, colouring without any perceptible reason. I hope I may have a very good cause to do so, replied Mr. lawsburn though I confess I don't think I shall. But yesterday morning you had made up your mind in a great hurry to stay here and to accompany your mother like a dutiful son to the seaside. Before noon you announced you were going to do me the honour of accompanying me as far as I go on a road to London. And at night you urged me with great mystery to start before the ladies are stirring. The consequence of which is that young Oliver here is pinned down to his breakfast when he ought to be ranging the meadows after mechanical phenomena of all kinds. Too bad, isn't it, Oliver? I should have been very sorry not to have been at home when you and Mr Maylie went away, sir rejoined Oliver. That's a fine fellow said the doctor. You shall come and see me when you return. But to speak seriously, Harry, has any communication from the great nobs produced a certain anxiety on your part to be gone? The great nobs replied Harry under which designation I presume you include my most stately uncle, not communicated with me at all since I have been here, nor at this time of year is it likely that anything would occur which rendered necessary my immediate attendance among them. Well, said the doctor, you are a queer fellow, but of course they will get you into Parliament at the election before Christmas. And these sudden shiftings and changes "'is no bad preparation for political life. There's something in that. Good training is always desirable, whether the race be for plates, cup, or sleep-stakes.' Harry Maylie looked as if he could have followed up this short dialogue by one or two remarks that would have staggered the doctor not a little, but he contented himself by it saying, We shall see, and pursued the subject no farther. The post-chaise drove up to the door shortly afterwards, and Giles, coming in for the luggage, The good doctor bustled out to see it packed. Oliver, said Harry Maylie, in a low voice, let me speak a word with you. Oliver walked into the window recess to which Mr Maylie beckoned him, much surprised at the mixture of sadness and boisterous spirits which his whole behaviour displayed. You can write well now, said Harry laying his hand upon his arm. I hope so, sir replied Oliver. I shall not be at home again, perhaps for some time. I wish you would write to me, say once a fortnight, every alternate of Monday, to the general post office in London. Will you? Oh, certainly, sir. I should be proud to do it, exclaimed Oliver, greatly delighted with the commission. I should like to know how-how my mother and Mrs. Melia are, said the young man. You can seal up a sheet by telling me what walks you take and what you talk about, and whether she, they, I mean, seem having quite well, you understand me. Oh, quite, sir, quite, replied Oliver. I would rather you do not mention it me to them, said Harry, hurrying over his words, because it might make my mother anxious to write to me off on her, and it is a trouble and a worry to her. Let it be a secret between you and me, and mind you tell me everything, I depend upon you. Oliver, quite elated and honoured by a sense of his importance, faithfully promised to be secret and explicit in his communications. Mr Maylie, it was, took leave of him, and many assurances of his regard and protection. The doctor was in the chaise. Giles, who it had been arranged should be left behind, held the door open in his hand and the woman-servants were in the garden, looking on. Henry cast one slight glance at the latter's window, and jumped into the carriage. "'Drive on!' he cried. "'Hard! Fast! Full gallop! Nothing short of flying will keep pace with me today!' "'Alloo!' cried the doctor, letting down the front grass in a great hurry, and shouting to the postilion, "'Something very short of playing with he pace with me, do we hear?" "'Jingling and clattering till distance rendered its noise inaudible. and its rapid progress, only perceptible to the eye, "'the vehicle wound its way along the road, "'almost hidden in the cloud of dust, "'now wholly disappearing and now becoming visible again, "'as intervening objects or the intricacies of way permitted. "'It was not until even the dust cloud was no longer to be seen "'that the gazers dispersed.' "'And there was one looker-on who remained with eyes fixed upon the spot "'where the courage had disappeared long after it was many miles away, "'for behind the white curtain which had shrouded her from view, "'when Harry raised his eye towards the window, sat Rose herself. "'You seem, since high spirits and happy,' she said at length. "'I feared for a time you might be otherwise. "'I was mistaken. I am very, very glad.' Tears are signs of gladness as well as grief, but those which calls down Rose's face as she sat pensively at the window, still gazing in the same direction, seemed to tell more of sorrow than of joy. Oliver Twist, Chapter Thirty Six, End.